Good morning, pilgrims and travelers on the funny path of life. Onward we go, Ron Ron and I, to <laughs> next and over. So it should be, my guess, it's going to be about, about two hours. I guess two, two and a half hours walk. I got the pack reloaded. You go ahead. There you go. Got a lot of keeping going on. Well, none of us have got water. Neither you know, all right. So it's going to be a no water walk. Today, sunny. Yeah, it's going to be warm. Looks like it's going to be warmer than yesterday. Maybe not by much anyway. Anywho. I'll start with a funny anecdote. <laughs> Yesterday, after taking the shower. So, you know, it always takes a little bit of time for the water to heat up. So, Pilar has a bucket, and then basically you feel that, uh, you put that water that is used for uh, going through, not going through, sorry. You collect the water that it takes to to come to the temperature you desire, and then, then I go, okay, basically I put it to some tree. Side note, in Texas, in the kitchen, under the sink, I took all the, the PVC out, and I would put a, I think it was a five gallon bucket, kind of like a Home Depot, you know, that kind, kind of a cylindrical. And uh, basically all the water is in the kitchen, that wasn't been drinking or cooked with, it would just collect in there. And then I would basically water most of the trees. And it was a twofold strategy. One, you would use less, so you were more mindful. And then, you know, so much of a convenience also is, uh, you know, you flush your toilet, you don't give too much, you don't give too thought about, you know, what's happening. And if there's all those amazing complex networks of technological feet that take place over hundreds of years that have been developed and refined and it's so convenient but anywho so I like the idea even though composting as well I did a bunch of compost so anyway so I took my shower went out to water it and something funny about a bunch of Spanish doors I'm just not used to it in the States is that they are one way meaning from the outside you can't open it it's not a rotating door handle so basically if you shut the door from the outside it automatically locks there's no way you can keep it unlocked unless it's actually physically open and so as i went out i slightly brought it toward me and it basically locked and then the kitchen the kitchen was the kitchen door wasn't open so <laughs> so basically uh, I was locked outside, so it was a little bit after four, and I knew that it was going to be a good uh, uh, hour and 45 minutes before uh, she would get back home. But, you know, I had my shower taken, the only thing was my uh, lunch dishes, a couple of them, not many, were still not cleaned, and, and but the rest was like, it was okay. So I just lay down, and I'm like, alright, we're just going to chill. You know, I was clean, uh, my work had been done, so... And I was like, from now on, just keep the key on you. And of course, I don't keep it on me because, 
Well, it's something that Pilar cares about that, you know, when you go back home, you just put the key back in the drawer, which is fine. So, but from now, I'm just going to keep it in my pocket. It just makes sense. Anywho, so, so she eventually got home. We went for a walk, and we were talking about transgender, which is something that she takes to heart, that is important to her. Um, you know, of course, as a woman, you know, I mean, she, of course, she has her values and her ideas. And honestly, to me, it is really a weird thing. The whole transgender, I don't get it. I don't really have an interest with it. I don't have a stake in the game. You know, I just, I just don't get it. The world is, uh, is at times a weird place and that it is definitely fit the bill. The whole transgender, what a weird idea. But anywho, but, uh, you know, as she was basically talking, I do have a tendency to find myself in the devil's advocate position. And it's not really to be in opposition. That's actually, maybe, it, I don't know if it was before. I don't actually think it was. It's just anybody who speaks with such a degree of certainty, you know, that they're right, it seems to automatically... It forces me into that position, kind of like playing a chess and somebody making such a move that, well, even though that's not what you were thinking of doing, well, that's what you're doing now because you don't have a choice. So, you know, there are things taking place in life where they will dictate what your upcomings, upcoming moves are going to be. And so, uh, basically, you know, by, you know, stating that like a lot of people say, you know, they are fact. We know what makes a woman a woman. And I would tell Pilar, it's like, you know, you, you don't get the nuance of what I'm arguing with you about because we are more than likely around 95% on the same page about most issues, you know, uh, that I will have no argument with you. It makes sense to me. You know, I am I'm more of a liberal and, you know, I'm more of a Democrat. I'm more on the left. I just am, ideologically speaking. I'm more inclined uh, on that downhill. And uh, so, yes, you know, what makes a woman a woman? I mean, she showed me a couple of videos, and to me, it's gross. This, sorry, but to me, just it's fucking gross. Those men that dress like women, and I, I don't care. At the end of the day, you do whatever you want with your body. It's not bothering me. It's not hurting me. But... You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that to me, I just find it gross and it's nothing wrong with having my experience. You know, like even with homosexual, some of my best men friends of all times, they were homosexual in London. There was some French guy, an Australian guy. You know, I, I, I had no issue. Actually, I related better with homosexuals and with uh, straight men, which is one of the reasons I thought maybe I'm in denial. Maybe I'm gay. Until I realized, no, I just love everything about a woman, and it's very attractive, and there is nothing in men that is sexually compatible with my filter. But uh, seeing two men holding hands or kissing, to me, it's gross. It just is like, ugh. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It, it, it is not aesthetically pleasing, and, and that's my experience. But it doesn't make it wrong, and there's nothing wrong with you liking or not liking something from where I stand. So, you know, it's like, you know, I agree. And basically, 
talking about, you know, like men, those trends wanting to have access to women's bathroom. And I can appreciate that. I have, again, it makes complete sense that those guys are men. They, they don't belong in a woman's bathroom. I have no problem with that argument at all. It makes complete sense to me. And, uh, and but then the part that's interesting is that but what's going on? What's the trend? In Spain, you have not, you now have laws that protect their rights. So obviously they got leverage. You know, they have lobbying power. They are, I guess that's in the whole cancel culture, they seem to be quite active. So there is momentum. And I'm like, well, then therefore it's relevant. It has nothing to do with fact. It has nothing to do with uh, what you can prove scientifically. The fact that they are still here, that the momentum is growing, shows that it is significant. It is a force to be to contend with. And and that that actually in itself is a fact. And then your fact again is is one thing, but that's also another fact. And also when it comes to politics, you know, it it is not. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with fact. Actually, politics. Politics is about what work on that platform, you know, if for a candidate to, to be endorsed by that kind of demographic is relevant and it's going to make that person more powerful, well, guess what? He's going to find a way to, to have a piece of that pie. That's just the way the game works, you know, to be popular. So you become elected and, and all that, whatever that, and I don't pretend to really know how it actually works, but, you know, you get the gist. And so, and I'm like, well, you know, then it's about having the discussion at the table then. Then if these people have a leverage and they have momentum, then their voice is louder, then their voice is more relevant. And it just, you can't brush it off. So, and, uh, and you know, that you put a stick in between a relationship when you think you're right and you think they're wrong, you know, and then you feel very good about it. And that pretty much is the end of it. Because what are the chances, like in a case of a trans person, in terms of what they've had to face and still face, that they're going to just back down or that somehow what's lacking in their psyche is your rational explanation as to why they shouldn't do that. That somehow it has something to do with it, you know, like I think we are becoming more and more aware that there is a part of the population, you know, part of our civilization which is very emotional and the part which is more rational. And I think it's about the divorce of it and about the widening gap, you know, the widening canyon between those two groups that creates a problem. Because we're all in the same boat. And then to look at the other guy as the enemy, you know, and to have that feeling inside you, to me, it's way more important than the idea that is subsequent to that emotion. And to be dealing with that emotion is way more relevant than indulging in the ideology. But again, that's just me. You know, what, what my challenge keeps being... Oh, is it right? Still is, I guess. Yeah. What my challenge still is is that my incapability to be understood. And yet, understanding. Because then I was like, let's do something. Because I could tell she was a little frustrated because she felt like I was against her. I'm like, let's do something. Let's paraphrase each other. Let's see where we are. Let's see what we understand from the other. And I basically, I'll start 
And I'm like, here's what I think you were saying. And she was like, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, no, go ahead, tell me. And of course it wasn't. You know, she wasn't hearing me because, like so many people, when there's something you feel strong about, you're very emotionally invested, and then somebody diverge or seems to go completely in a different direction, then you disconnect. The emotional brain just takes over. And that person, then you separate yourself from that person. And it's so easy to get lost. You lose your center, you lose your presence. You know, and the fact that, you know, it's not that you don't care about the person, it's just that there is a different point of view. And uh, and somehow the, maybe inability, I'm not sure, or not being disposed to, not be predisposed to, to being like, hey, maybe there's something I can glean from that. You know, I can learn from, because this is a friend, this is somebody that I trust, that I care about, and there he is, or she is, and they seem to have a different way of looking at it. Let's see what, uh, yeah, let's see what I can get from that. But no, because it is something you feel strongly about, and then you basically feel attacked. And then, of course, I lost some of mine too, you know, because, uh, well, I guess it's no big deal. It was not at the end of the world anyway, that conversation, far from it. Actually, there was some very good stuff about it. But basically, you know, she was talking about, well, you know, you don't really, you know, you don't care about children, you don't care about trends. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't care about children. <laughs> I was like, where does that come from, that I don't care about children? So anyway, and of course, she backed that one out, you know, and I'm like, well, we don't say things by accident. There was a reason for it. And of course, she does. She really, really likes children. She's fascinated the way they behave and all of that. And I'm not to that extent. I mean, you know, when I was with my grandkids or I have worked with children before, I've worked with a state, uh, state, uh, ward of the state's children before. And we take in from unsafe uh, house and it used to be a house called a house parent. And then you would deal with behavior modification program to try to get uh, those kiddos to eventually get on the game. So maybe then they could be adopted or move on to other things, but anyway, so it was, it was just very funny, and then we're talking about uh, like sustainability, and I basically throw the, the, a cheap jab, which basically was saying, you know, more than likely my footprint is more than likely around 10% of yours, and and of course I own that, it's like point taken, you know, that was a cheap shot, my bad, you know, it's like, yeah, that was uh, that was just me losing it, I lost my center, and then it became this uh, jolting game between you and me. And I was right and you were wrong or, you know, I was just trying to outwit you basically in a way. And, uh, and that bothered me. And then I went to church with that, so which was very distracting. Another point I've learned, if I'm going to go to church, you know, definitely at least half an hour to an hour to not engage in anything like that. Because it takes a while for me, you know, to bring it back down, and, uh, anyhow, but the cool thing is, like in the past, she would shut it down, she would say, let's stop it, Anthony, so basically, you know, and, uh, and it didn't happen this time, so we were able to get some closure, and it was nice, so it was a very, very nice ending, because at the end, the argument is, is only an opportunity, you know, to, to maybe experience things differently or to have a different quality of experience. And, uh, 
And so that was nice. And then she made a, a selga. Um, my goodness, Swiss chard. She made a Swiss chard dish. They love they love to use the sweet paprika. I mean, it's called uh, pimenton dulce. So it's actually not quite like paprika, but it's very similar. They have the smoky one, which is spicy, and then they have the sweet one. And then she boils some potatoes, kind of uh, on low heat, fried some uh, sliced garlic, and then some salt in the end, and then blanch the the, the Swiss chard. My, my version that I really like, because to me, when you, I don't know, when you add the water like that in a Swiss chard, it kind of dilutes the, fl it dilutes the flavor. I like to, uh, I like to basically, same thing. I like to, to fry low heat the garlic and then add some salt and then crank up the heat and then basically laminate the, or julienne, I guess, whatever works, the Swiss chard and then just put it in there in the oil and it just like spinach basically same family anyway those are high uh, uh, oh my goodness oscillate uh, oscillate is that what it's called oxalate oxalate yeah which is uh, like you can have uh, for some people who are genetically predisposed it can be like a kidney stone issue or they could be joint issue like you have the alkaloids that's a nightshade like tomato potato peppers tobacco and uh, eggplant, and then oxalate, uh, uh, beet, beet green, Swiss chard, spinach. And I think there is, uh, I forgot which one. Uh, it doesn't matter, anyway. I don't know if mustard green could be one of those, I forgot which other one it is. And, um, and actually, so we had basically at 10 o'clock, you know, and there she is, it's like, I just can't seem to manage to eat early and to, you know, there's all those things she wants to do. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're used to it. You know, it's your lifestyle. And I was fine, you know, it was like she made that stuff. So, of course, I had a plate with her. And, uh, you know, and then uh, we had a nice little conversation until she started to fade, of course, you know. She has to get up at 6 now. She has to be, basically, she has to get up 20 minutes earlier to take the train. Come on, Chico. You'll be loose in about uh, half an hour, maybe, maybe less. Anywho, so it was nice. So it was a nice, uh, yeah, it was a nice experience. I, I did lose a little bit my center, but I feel I didn't go as far. I think I was able to de-escalate and to bring myself back to the center in terms of what is important and then to get quieter again. It almost felt like a trial run for Saturday <laughs> with Urban, you know, and we talked a little bit. I was mindful not to get too much because I'm like, I just don't want to gossip, you know. I don't want to feed off some kind of negative comments about anybody to just kind of uh, feed or nourish a relationship to give us something to talk about. So, and I'm okay with quiet, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to talk much. So, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And it's actually tomorrow, right? Actually, tomorrow by this time, we'll be on our way to Sevilla because we have an 11 o'clock. So we'll be leaving around more than actually 10.30. You'll see. I'll be ready at 10.30. I'll be ready more than actually at 10.20. One of the S.
and then uh, yeah looking forward to see you know uh, what will come up so that is for that so let's go to church uh, glad I went I enjoy my little ritual you know there's a amazing rit I really like it so I sing it I hum it I guess kind of hum slash sing it on my way there a couple of times and then I do my uh, Our Father in uh, three languages on the back and then there's a couple of uh, uh, oh you know what I'll sing them for you what the heck Santo 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 es el Señor Dios del Universo Llenos están el cielo y la tierra de tu gloria. Oh, sana en el cielo. Nombre del Señor, osana en el cielo. And then you kneel, and then there's basically the, the transfiguration, what it's called, the changing of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And then the other one. Fruto de la tierra del trabajo de los hombres. Te presentamos el vino y el pan. Y seas por siempre, Señor. Solo en dos en Jamilena. Here they don't. The guy doesn't sing at all. <laughs> He doesn't have a singing voice and... The priest in Hamilena had a very nice voice. <laughs> Sorry. So, but I'm, I'm keeping, keeping those alive. So that's when I walk back. When I walk, when, when I walk away from, uh, from mass. That's kind of what I do. So I'm still in that kind of. Uh, I keep that place nice and cozy where I was. You know, kind of almost a little contemplative place. And of course, for me, you know, after mass, I have no interest in. Uh, in chatting or, you know, uh, to me, it's something different. So anyway, and of course I will be going tonight. I don't know, we'll see Sunday night if I go or not. Uh, I don't know, I mean, obviously I'll be by myself because uh, after um, the gathering with uh, Urban and Maribel tomorrow, I'll be dropping at a train station and she's gonna go to see her mother. There may be something, there may be a decline going on in terms of a function. So, and you know, with all the people, it can happen very fast. And it doesn't matter, you know, just uh, from one day to the next, 
de noche al día, de una noche al día. Oh, I forgot how you say that in Spanish. Anyway, and then she'll come back on Monday, and you know, and then whatever. Whether I'm picking her up in Sevilla or Salteras, basically whatever, which is fine. Anything. So, but I'll have a car, and somehow I thought I had a, because on the way back to um, to Valencia there is a Mercadona, which uh, I don't know why I was thinking there was something I, I needed from there, but uh, I can't think of it now. Anyway, it doesn't matter if it doesn't come back. No big deal. Uh, no big deal. Anyway, no big deal. Right, run, run, and. Uh, You want to go smell it? You go smell. Enjoy your smells. I guess you don't come here with Pilar. So here we are in Castilleja de Guzman. Castilleja. Castilleja. Yeah, ja. J. Castilleja de Guzman. So that's, you have, uh, so you have Sevilla, you have Camas, then you have Castilleja de Guzman, and then you have Valencina, and then Salteras. So that's kind of your road direct to Sevilla from here, or at least the most direct one. Anywho, I think I talked a little bit about that yesterday, um, and what I'm referring to here is the idea of suffering, the idea of punishment, the idea of justice, the idea of, you know, like, take your cross and follow me, carry your cross, you know? Todos tenemos que llevar una cruz, nuestra cruz. We all have to wear a cross. We all have to carry it. And uh, to accept afflictions, to accept suffering, you know. And of course, they take it to quite the extreme. Like for me, physical suffering is definitely something, <laughs> there are many things that are very challenging, but that is definitely one of the big ones, you know. To find a way to accept basically emotional or physical affliction that may come upon you as justice. That basically God is benevolent and that if there is something that you you receive, you know, a painful retribution, it is because one way or another there's something that you've done to deserve it. So you humbly accept it. You know, like uh, St. Paul said, you do not look for justice in this world. So this kind of, basically there's a submission element. You surrender yourself to that, that it is not necessary for you to understand it, have a reason to be like, okay, you know, I have stolen, then I'm going to jail. Okay, that makes sense and I can accept it. This one is not based on that. It's a, call it divine justice. That's me taking a little liberty here. But the idea that you know, if somebody, you know, slaps you on your left cheek, you give your right one. The idea of that, how do you deal with those things? And basically, humility, love, compassion, and not righteousness, no pride, no self-esteem. And it is appealing to me. It is very appealing. And I think I'm putting it in practice with small things in regard to small things. Because if somebody is looking at me and saying, fuck you, motherfucker, I fucking hate your gut. Vete a la mierda, hijo de puta. Uh, <laughs> kind of a 
loose tra translation of it in Spanish, it'd be hard for me not to take it personally. So obviously that would show me that, okay, I'm still taking myself seriously, even though I'm saying I am interested in, the, in that kind of spiritual path. You know, those things basically, from my standpoint, show me weaknesses. And even more so, because now I am feeding that dog. I'm feeding, let's, let's call it my spiritual dog. So, you know, several times a day I go back to Philokalia and I read, I don't know how many pages, but, you know, quite a bit, quite a bit. And even more as of late. So if I can tell, like, okay, I'm going back into the rhythm, you know, coming from Hamilena, things were kind of a little bit all over the place. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm consolidating things. And, uh, okay, I, I see that. I think I'm going to be naturally going back to it. And even though at time I get lost or I may get distracted, I'm like, that's okay, you just show up. And I guess I'm used to failure. Failure is not a reason to stop. I think it's definitely one of my motto. It doesn't matter how little progress is perceived. Just if it's right, it's right. And uh, I think I have, uh, I think I've made my mind for that. That uh, the Christian tradition is the path that I'm committing myself to. You know, if I had gone to India, things would be different. But I have not, you know, this is not where I am, this is here, also I am more familiar with the Christian tradition, obviously, being immersed in it, you know, it's kind of like learning a language in the country where the language has been spoken, it's a little easier, shall we say, a little more convenient than learning from a book or Duolingo. I'm not going to get anywhere, you know, with my other languages than I am with, uh, with Spanish. So being in Spain, I'm sure if I was to go to Japan, it would go a lot faster, you know, the learning. But anywho, regardless. And so basically now what's relevant is for me to feed that part of me and to be immersed and to increase the immersion time. And uh, I mean, not that it's crazy, you know, even if I had a regular life and a regular job, there would be no problem. Going to mass would, of course, be dependent on the kind of schedule, but uh, I would definitely make a point to at least, you know, go once a week. As uh, the monks talks about, you know, they actually discourage each other to, to go too often because it is distracted, there are temptation, you know, you have gossiping, you have all those things happening, but there is still, you know, taking communion is still important, but it doesn't have to be every day. So for me, now where I am in my life, it just makes sense. I don't know about the weekend. Definitely I'm not doing any big mass, but I think in general, the Sunday evening is a little quieter. I think Saturday is most people basically trying to avoid the Sunday. And then, then they have Sunday morning and then that Sunday evening is, is going to be quieter. So that I might, there's a good chance that I might go there. And I think on Saturday, I'll just skip it. I won't go, which is fine. Maybe take the bad boy for a walk, because there's a good chance it won't be bad boy, meaning run the dog, because, here you go, my friend, you are loose. You haven't been there before, have you? Hmm? Yeah, it's a new trial for you, I'm sure. I'm definitely sure. Yeah. 
and feel Arsenal taking you here. But now you can be loose. So coming back here and taking for a nice walk. So and more than likely for podcast because I don't I don't quite see unless somehow I get antsy with the languages tomorrow morning. I'll be doing everything else, of course, and yoga and meditation, but that is non-negotiable. But the language, depending on where my headspace is, uh, that that can be debatable. Okay, there it is. And so I might take him for a little one. Anyway. Regardless, it'll be what it'll be. So I was talking about suffering, the idea of, you know, suffering as grace, as a blessing, finding a way to embrace it, you know. And that, hmm, that is, to me, it is, it is a very fascinating topic because I feel like, you know, I've just as of late stumbled upon it. But that to have a shift of perspective in terms of defining the quality of that experience and before it was always defined as bad. You know, it is not good to feel that way. And now I'm like, I don't agree. Actually, it's not even like I'm not sure. I'm not agnostic. You know, I'm agnostic when it comes to, to spirituality in general. I don't believe we can know. Not on that plane. That I'm pretty clear. And I don't see that changing. But I do believe that there is something. And I do believe that what we do is relevant. But it's basically not on our time. It's not up to us in terms of making things happen. That uh, I think for me at least, I am quite dependent upon grace. So it is about damage control. But to go back to the topic here, you know, that to have a shift of perspective when it comes to uh, suffering, what it is, and that, that not so nice feeling that it's like, yeah, there is, there is a silver lining in it. This is not a coincidence. This is not an accident. Neither do I believe in miracle. You know, I don't have to. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in miracles. I just, uh, well, I'm just here. And then I just, as I, as I go along, I figure it out and I'm winging it basically like, uh, like most of us. But uh, that basically, yeah, this is not an accident and it is mine. If it's coming to me, it belongs to me. There is a reason why. It's coming back to bite me in the ass. And maybe, you know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intention. So maybe there's something that I thought, you know, whether I was aware of it or not, it's actually, I don't think it matters because I do believe that sometimes suffering can wake you up. So it, it can actually make things more conscious where they may have been subconscious or unconscious before. And it actually bring them to the surface. Kind of like if you're making, oh, I'm going to make a weird analogy. You're making gnocchi. Oh, that's something I'm going to make for Pilar. I'm going to make some gnocchi. Uh, get a nice recipe. And uh, with potato. And uh, when you first put them in a the boiling water, they drop to the bottom. So that's why you have to get strong boiling water. But then they come back up to the surface. So you know that kind of looking at suffering as a as um, part of the cooking process, you know, essential. For that step to come, it has to start to cook before it can come back up. And suffering being the force and then the heat required to make that happen, to propel those things. And, uh, and the idea is like, could one redefine, could one experience suffering completely differently? And to me, it's like, that is such an interesting proposition, you know? And 
of course, I'm not standing, I don't know, in terms of, uh, I guess you might call it like spiritual science. So I'm sure that there are people who have expanded theories in terms of uh, suffering being this or that. I have no interest in that. What, uh, ooh, I think we're going to go on this Camino. Yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go different one. We're not going to go, yeah, we're going to go that way. I don't know where it goes, but that's fine. I'm just seeing a different path here. But to me, that's fascinating. You know, and it's like, you know, it's like, I don't want to waste opportunity. And because I don't believe in accident, I'm like, well, then what am I going to do with that? You know, is it something that I have to survive? You know, that I have to tilt my head down. Sorry, I got to put a little bit of chapstick. I can feel my, since yesterday, my lips have been going through dry spell. Funny that I don't know. I carry with that fail my chapsticks wherever I go, for sure, in the outdoors life. And uh, yeah, so even though I'm clueless, you know, it's just because after reading about it, and of course I'm not reinventing anything, you know, kind of like in a kitchen. You know, I do, I, I'm more of an engineer. It's the thing that I care about. I have a tendency to dismantle them and to put them back together, but somebody had to do the work first. It's just uh, like, you know, like Ramdas, you know, there's something about it that just resonates within me. And it's not like I agree with everything, you know, but there is just something about the guy and the way that he expresses himself and what it feels like that to me is like, yeah, there is something for me here. You know, I will invest more time. And my goodness, how much time have I invested in listening to the guy talk? And uh, so, you know, me personally, what would it look like? Heck if I know. But it is something that... You know, and of course, for me, it's, uh, you know, how do you eat a whole elephant? You know, one bite at a time. So for me, I'm looking at small steps. I'm actually looking at very small steps because I do believe on those big, big hurdles that you have, the big challenges to try to go for the big cheese. It doesn't make much sense. It's more than likely unlikely, you know, for most of us that we have the capacity to over overwhelm, overcome and transcend that in one bite. And I think few people have, and sometimes they give the impression that, well, look, you know, Michael Jordan, if I can do it, you can do it too. But it's like, yeah, but that's not just all that there is to it. And some things you're not aware of it because you are in it. But for me, what makes sense, and this is not just me anyway, but the idea is you make it realistic. You make it something that requires an effort. So it's going to be some discomfort in this case to look for a situation where you feel uncomfortable. Or a little bit of pain, but you know it's not crazy. It's not a big deal. And then to do nothing, or to actually find a way to to embrace it. And I do believe that if we start with that, and if that process is productive, then I think we will naturally go on to bigger and bigger fish, because then you you build the confidence, and then you have a track record. You you build up credentials, and that gives you stamina. So that there's a whole chain reaction that takes place but there has to be you know the fruit the tree has to produce fruit so whether you start with a you know instead of going to a peach tree you just start with a few strawberry plants and you keep it nice and small but if it start to work then it's like wow then i'm going to go over blackberry bush and eventually you walk your way to the to the peach tree interesting analogy right and uh <laughs> so yeah making it small to be gentle with oneself, to, to push, to know when to stretch, 
as in, uh, I forgot if it was the Dalai Lama or the Buddha who said, uh, you know, like like a guitar, when you tune a guitar, don't make it too tight, or don't make it too loose. You have to find that sweet spot. Find the sweet spot. Push yourself, uh, seize those opportunities, know when to stand, know when not to, you know, you have to be able to discern and then to, to, to yeah, to milk the right opportunity for what it's worth. And if at times you're ready for a huge leap, well, then you'll know and then you'll go for it because you'll have enough confidence. And, you know, and I do believe that so many small steps have taken place before you go for those big leaps. They're just imperceptible. You know, they're so ubiquitous. We, we don't give them much credence. We don't even value them that much. But they are. They do add up. And they build. Anywho, we shall see. Today I have my, uh, my last consultation with uh, Esperanza. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, anywho, so I'm, uh, I'm playing with that. It's something that I find very interesting. I also felt a little sadness because realizing, wow, this is what the cost of it is. And right now I'm referring back to my, my discussion with Pilar, the argument we had. And then, you know, basically, as when I got lost, when I lost my center, basically I lost the connection. And then, you know, then she became the ideas that I was arguing against. And, uh, and we're like, yeah, I don't like that. And of course, it's Pilar, you know, for most people, it wouldn't matter. But I hope that it's something that I can, that I can translate, you know, on smaller scales. Even though with people that I don't really care either way, that I could still, pra actually, yeah, that I could still practice with those and stay with them. And uh, anyway, for what it's worth. So I think I've been babbling long enough. But this is cool here. We are in those hills. Yeah, there's a bike. There is a Valencina over that little bump right there, that hill. And then I don't know where I'm going actually. But I have a feeling I'm going to be seeing, uh, well, I don't know, I see the tower of Sevilla to my right, and I'm going up on that hill here. Uh, so, on that note, my friend, I'm going to leave it at that. Wish you a beautiful day wherever you are, and we'll talk later.